thing I like about Kobe too, when the cameras weren't on, because I used to observe him when I traveled around with the Lakers, you know, me hanging out with high in high places. When the cameras weren't on, he'd just be out in the street walking around. He was so nice to everybody who came up to him. Didn't shoo anybody mm-hmm. away. Didn't act too big time. No cameras around, no paparazzi around. So it wasn't like he was shilling for the cameras. He was just being himself, and he was so nice to people. I always respected that about him. And I would always tell him, say, man, that Kobe, that was so nice of you to do that. And he said, of course. You know, that's how he was really, Magic's like that too. Paul Gasol's like that, Lamar Odom. But Kobe, as big a star as he was, he had time for everybody. Um, there are certain things, and it's Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, and of course Michael Thompson, who you hear there, that you know what we were always exposed to as Lakers fans. We covered Kobe, and we carried the games, and you know Lakers are are, are you know part of our fabric and family here at the station and, and in the city. But like, you, there are certain things you still don't hear. Like you don't hear about the Make-A-Wish stuff. Like, that yeah, Kobe oh, yeah. did oh, more Make-A-Wish yep. grants. Him and John Cena, I think, lead led like everybody. The universe. Yep. Um, you know, kids who wanted to meet the, the, the sports stars. Him and John Cena. One of the things that Vanessa talked about was how, like, one of the last times he was out with, um, I forget, it was one of the two baby daughters, um, was out just at Fashion Island, like at the little koi ponds that they have, just out doing dad stuff. I believe it was Bianca was, she was referring to. Right. And so, like, little stuff like that. And, like you know, he's Kobe Bryant. People yeah. are going to recognize yep. you and see. And so, like we see Andy, like the the thing where Kobe always said, "I'm going to play in every game I can because I know this might be exactly. the only time." But he's also like Michael's saying, incredibly aware of the impact that just having Kobe Bryant shake your hand yep. and say hi to your kid mm-hmm. and what that might mean. He was wonderful about yeah. that. Well, I mean, we used to see all the time, you know, there was a lot of focus during the memorial, and rightly so, of you know, Kobe as a father. We used to see that all the time when um, Natalia, and, particularly when Natalia and Gianna were little, you know, when, when they would be outside uh, the locker room or, you know, on the court after games. And, you know, at this point, you know, the cameras aren't trained on Kobe. I mean, he's do- Kobe is just being himself. The amount of joy that he had you know, interacting and being dad to the, to those two little girls. I mean, it was really fun to watch, yeah. and and it was a side of Kobe that you know you wouldn't necessarily think as much about because everybody was so consumed, you know, with the basketball and the Black Mamba persona. But he really loved being a father. Well, Michael, I, I'm a, I know we carried that week. We carried on our air. We replayed his final game against mm-hmm. Utah, where he scored sixty points, and it was just an amazing. The network carried it as well. I I was watching it from home, and. I had forgotten because I was in the building. I didn't see the game broadcast for for a while after that. All these moments where Kobe's going back and forth between really intense, like he's into this game. The the competitiveness doesn't go away. He's also dead tired and just you know barely able to move his legs around. But also these little moments of interplay where he they kept going over to his family um, and showing them. And you see these moments where he kind of looks over there, and despite all everything that's going on and how focused he kind of gives him a little wink or yeah. a smile mm-hmm. and all that. And the connection between Kobe and his family um, was was something that came through in that broadcast in ways that I hadn't seen because I was in the building. Yeah. And you just, you know, it's, it's, it's a special thing to watch. Uh, yeah, it was a special night all around. The, the game, the, pe- the, the love that people felt for Kobe, and he felt for the Lakers fans. He appreciated them so much, all the support he gave they gave him and uh, Vanessa and the kids. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a beautiful night. And, uh, of course, this afternoon, you know, just some some wonderful tributes to Kobe paid by uh, musicians. Christina Aguilera sang Ave Maria and Beyonce uh, opened up this morning with, with uh, EXO and then Halo, I mm-hmm. believe she sang. It was just 
beautiful renditions and alicia keys played moonlight sonata and talent on display and, and the story speeches. by the way yeah. behind moonlight sonata yes. that rob palinka told where kobe was on the road and he was really missing his family and he was staying at this hotel that had this uh baby grand piano in the lobby and you know at night there weren't really many people in there and i i don't remember exactly the connection i think just he and Vanessa really loved the song Moonlight Sonata. And Kobe decided that he would learn how to play that song by ear. Really? A- and yes. he, he played the piano too? Yes, Michael. He really th- did? This was discussed during the memorial. I didn't realize that. I, didn't realize that. <laughs> I thought he was just like playing around, but he well, because I remember there, I mean, there was. A, I'm not sure he's, he's, he's. I don't know if he considered. No, I mean, like, like he player. he couldn't have filled in like for what Alicia Keys oh, okay, did. Yeah, like, well, right, yeah. but but like well, I remember because that was the song that he knew. Right, but I remember though that. Um, there had been this viral clip of Kobe in a playing hotel. in a hotel Correct. playing piano, and it, I remember at the time it was just like, "Oh my God, Kobe's playing piano!" Yeah, like really? you know, wow. what, what can't the guy do? Yeah. But that I, I'm guessing now yeah, that was, this was the Moonlight backstory Sonata. behind that Him moment. Learning to play Moonlight Sonata because it was a really romantic gift for Vanessa, and like I don't have a lot of sympathy for like rich people, like the, like the ultra wealthy in the sense of like. You know, it's hard to get him stuff. Like, what do you get Kobe Bryant? Like, what does Kobe Bryant get Vanessa? We talked about this with LeBron's recent birthday. Right. You know, he threw himself that birthday. Like, what do you you get from LeBron for a gift? Like, I show up like a bottle of wine or like a little something, like a potato salad or whatever. Never go wrong with wine. Right. But it's like, you know, it's hard to buy a gift for LeBron James or Kobe No, bottle of wine will do. You know, Vanessa Vanessa Bryant, the kids, like, what Vanessa wanted, she, you know, rightly, they they, they, they could afford Mm -hmm. the hat. So... You saw these stories, and, and Rob Palenka was great about telling these stories, of like what Kobe would do to try to find these gestures. priceless gestures. Well, I mean, gestures are really the only thing at that yes. point, because everything else has probably been purchase in Kobe's life. Right. Exactly. Like, you run out of things that you could actually purchase for somebody. Right. So it really comes down to the gestures and the thought that gets put behind them. And, and learning how to play Beethoven, mm-hmm. because your wife thinks it's a pretty song while you're on the road and you miss them is really irritatingly romantic say, and good I, I am, and puts the bar at places that am, for the rest of us I'm not passing that along that story to my wife I know no. what I would have got Kobe if he needed if I had to get him a birthday present I would have got him some golf clubs and tell him, give him say here you go Kobe you'll never be good at this game Ooh, you know that would get him he said alright <laughs> I'm going to I'll be at the driving range tomorrow absolutely true Chris in Calabasas you're on with Michael Thompson and the Kamenetsky brothers Hey guys, really appreciate you taking my call. Just sure. wanted to share a unique interaction I had uh, with Kobe. So I grew up in San Francisco in the Bay Area, and naturally I grew up hating all things L.A., uh, but I was fortunate enough to uh, work for the Warriors as a ball boy in the high school from 99 to 2003. So Lakers come in in 2000, and uh, Michael, and you guys are aware, they're the Beatles coming in, right? Mm-hmm. And the Warriors are the low low team of the NBA at that point. So naturally, we have everybody give equipment uh, or uh, jerseys and everything for people to sign, for Kobe and Shaq and everybody to sign. So we put it away, and they're going to sign it after the game. So that night in December, the Lakers lost to the Warriors in a regular season game. I believe Kobe went for like 50 points, but Anton Jameson went for 50 as well. I remember that game. That was a phenomenal game. Yeah, it was like one twenty-five to one twenty. Yeah, they, I think they both. I think they both had fifty-one points, but mm. I may be wrong about that. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. So Kobe game. comes back, and I see this look on his eye, like he's enraged. 
that they lost. And he comes right up to me. He's like, I know there are things I need to sign in the locker room, but we just lost to the Warriors. <laughs> so put it away. I'll come back and sign it next time we're in town. So March rolls around. They come back. And without any any thought, any remembrance of me reminding or anything, he comes back. He's like, where's the stuff? You still have it? What? I'm going to sign everything right there. Wow. And he signed everything in the locker room for whatever we had without thought. Just his mental capacity to hold that thought yeah. in his head because he was so enraged of losing the game to the Warriors. He came back the next time and, and did that for everybody in the locker room. Yeah. So, well, really, that period, by the way, with the Warriors, I don't blame Kobe for being mad. They were terrible. <laughs> they were really, really bad. They, and they but, are again. But remember, yes. though, early, uh, the week when, when Kobe passed and, and you know, we were all on, you know, on air the whole time, we heard stories, uh, people calling in about how Kobe would meet somebody for the first time. And if they had been told anything about that person ahead of time, Kobe had this photographic memory, and he would automatically strike up this relationship right. with and, them as and, if he knew them, and he knew every single detail. And about. my favorite part about those stories, and it's similar to this one, remembering things that I don't want to say people that, you know, like you don't have to remember, but like he doesn't have to remember that. You know, somebody can gently remind him, or he could blow it off, and the people there be like, "Oh well, it's, it's Kobe. What are you going to do?" Well, they'll just be but excited he, that they met Kobe. But, they, but, like, but, like, care. but the, the people, like when you be in these rooms and you go and you greet this this sponsor and that sponsor, or whatever, he'd pick the kid, he'd pick the least important kid in the room, mm-hmm. go straight to you know Tim, how you do, Dave, whatever you know, whatever, and all these famous people or all these big shots are sitting in that room and they're used to being treated in a certain way, and he'd find the kid, make that kid feel special before getting to the other ones, like. Yeah, he was a complicated guy. He could be a pain in the butt sometimes. He wasn't always easy to coach. Maybe he wasn't always easy to be a teammate. But, like, there was so much more going on uh, that he didn't talk about that could have helped reshape his image in ways that were important and that we're unfortunately finding out and learning more about now. Um, uh, but there was a, one more lesson that, that Jimmy Kimmel talked about that I think was really important and a theme that ran through today that I want to get to next. Uh, we'll also take some more of your calls, 877-710-ESPN. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, Michael Thompson, here till 3 o'clock on 710 ESPN. So you heard some of the uh, the speakers there and you know today uh, at the ceremony honoring Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant uh, today at Staples Center. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, Michael Thompson, and we we heard Beyonce sing, and we heard uh, Christina Aguilera, and Alicia Keys, and Jimmy Kimmel spoke, and Rob Polinka spoke, and uh, really one of my my favorite moments came when Michael Jordan got up and talked about sort of the Kobe Bryant experience, uh, what it was to be a, a competitor with him. Now he's got me. I'll have to look at another crime meme for the next three or four years. <laughs> that is what Kobe Bryant does to me. I'm pretty sure Vanessa and his friends all can say the same thing. He knows how to get to you in a way that affects you personally, even though if he's being a pain in the ass. But it sh- he always, you ever have a sense of love for him and the way that he can bring out the best in you. And he did that for me. Michael, it showed a little clip in one of the video tributes of that. There was a moment in an All-Star game where he's talking to Jordan about like up fakes and you know pivot foots and all these other things and, and you got like the impression Jordan's like dude it's it's the all-star game and Kobe's just relentless oh, yeah. trying to pull information 
out of him and talk the game and learn the oh, game, yeah. and that's just that was him twenty four seven. Kobe was a historian ever since he was a little kid. In Italy, he'd be, get, like you said, he'd get those VHS tapes and follow tapes of Magic and Showtime Lakers and seeing how they were playing and asking his dad about all the greats of the game. So he was always a basketball g- genius and a historian about and respected the people who came before him. Yeah, that, that's actually a big reason that I'm glad that in honoring Kobe and looking for a way to do that, you know, all the stuff from the All-Star Weekend, which was just a spectacular weekend, you know, the game and all the tributes to Kobe, but naming that All-Star MVP trophy after him a, I think is really fitting because along with Bob Pettit, he won that trophy more than anybody four times. He was an all-star 18 times, basically his entire career. But, you know, there had been talk about redoing the logo in Kobe's image. You think and, they should? No, yeah. I don't think they I like should. I, I mean, A, you know, there's the relationship between West and Kobe, which right. I think yeah. complicates that. But B, Kobe, like you said, Michael, is a historian of basketball. And right. I'm sure that logo yeah. meant something right. to Kobe, yeah. inspired Kobe. And I don't think he would want that changed. And Kobe was always an original. He always looked to originate different things, looked to be at the forefront of things. And that's why I like renaming the trophy after him, the MVP trophy for the All-Star Game, because that's the first thing now. Like, that becomes Kobe's thing, like part of that legacy. I think it's really fitting. I really like that. Yeah, the All-Star Trophy's cool. It's a nice bauble. It's a good honor. I just, as great as he is, he should just... You just refer to the All-Star MVP as a bauble? bauble? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's a it's step nice. above a bauble, Michael. It's nice. It's Look at nice. you, Rob Manfred, over here with the World Series trophy. No, I'll just take it. I mean, I'll metal. take it. But I just think Kobe was so great. I wish his name could be on something like one of the major, major trophies. I know you can't remove anybody's name. I know you can't do that. But I was just thinking the Kobe Bryant MVP trophy would have been like the, for the season. But I know Maurice Podoloff is a basketball historian. He's, his name's already on it, so you can't move it. But I was just thinking, thinking, yeah, thinking the finals MVP they just gave to Russell Bill a couple Russell. years ago. I mean, so how many years? It's been longer than that, hasn't it? But it, 10 it, years or so? It, it, yeah, it's probably, I forget yeah, exactly like what they did. I remember when they did it. But how great, by the way, MVP. was Bill Russell yesterday at the Celtics game wearing that Kobe, Kobe jersey? jersey. That that was class. Yeah. That was absolute class. That's right. The greatest Celtic of all time in the Laker uniform. And that was a great line that, uh, who said it, we knew we'd get you over? It was Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel, yeah, that's funny. I know, of course, if you ask Bill Russell, he'll tell you he wasn't wearing a Lakers jersey. He's wearing a he Kobe? Wearing a Kobe jersey. <laughs> but it, it just it, unfortunately came in that purple and gold. There yeah. was really no way around it. Yeah. It, the the day was was remarkable, and you, know, you see the the people in the crowd and the, the assembled level of, of talent. I, I think it was... I, I think it might have been Gino Ariema who pointed out just the the sheer mm-hmm. amount of talent in this room between yeah. the you know the the musicians who performed and you know the greatest women's players on the planet and currently playing and 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 the you know some of the greatest uh, NBA players yep, of all current time. and past and yep. you know Jerry West is there and and there are all of these moments where you know you hear Vanessa Bryant speak and we we spoke to somebody in you know, before you came on Michael who had lost a child of their own and there was a moment where i saw Mitch Kupchak was up on the board and mm-hmm. that was a a really <laughs> gut-wrenching moment you yeah. hear cuz uh, Mitch lost a daughter, a daughter yep. a few That's years right. ago I thought about him too when i saw him about that and just you know the, you 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 understand how an event like this impacts different people differently. And, mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're you're somebody who lost somebody like that, and yeah. this brings that emotion out. Or maybe mm-hmm. so it, and to see all of these people coming together mm-hmm. in one place yep. uh, to to celebrate life and do that in a way that came together today for people, some people who knew Kobe well, and some people who had never met him, Andy. 
That was the thing that was most remarkable to me was just this amazing diversity of people in this building. Well, I mean, it's something that I'd really thought about, like especially in, in the immediate wake of Kobe's death, like just how woven into the fabric of Los Angeles Kobe had become over the last 20-something years. I mean, he really became an Angelino. Like in a lot of different ways, you know, he he spoke multiple languages. He you know develop he started a multi uh, multiracial family. You know, he he was part of the Orange County community. He spent all this time you know in downtown Los Angeles. He he looked to try to solve the homeless uh, issue going the crisis going on in L.A. He very, had shelters set up in specific, Santa Monica uh, and Hollywood. Very specific like he really LA, became yeah. part of this city. Uh, Zach Lowe from uh, ESPN joins us right now. Um, it's across the hall recording his podcast, and it was, you, you were able to watch from inside today, Zach. Or were you yeah, I was there. I was right. I was one section away from you guys. Yeah. It wouldn't put us in the good section. We had to seat Zach away from us. I understand. No, it was right. Yeah. I was ten feet from. No, me. I saw Zach. He, okay. I mean, his seats were slightly better, but for all intents no, and purposes, meant, same place. Like Zach, Zach should be given. A better spot in the arena than us. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. I know I you look good, Zach. You look like you gotta bring my car around, will you? <laughs> my wife says when I wear black and white like this, I look like a penguin. She's like, "What are you dressing oh. like a penguin for?" I'm like, "I only have one black suit. It was from 20 pounds heavier ago, so it looks bad on me. I don't know what to do." It's like, but then everyone dressed up. No one was wearing black. I could have worn anything I wanted. Exactly. Yeah, purple and gold. You should have bought your purple suit. Nah. I mean, what, what, Zach, for you, the the memorial? What were some of the biggest impressions you had from it? Um. The two two things, well, there's three things that stand out, but the first one was I was so thrilled that the montage at the beginning had so much footage of Gigi mm-hmm. playing basketball that we had not seen because I had felt like we had seen the same five jump shots over and over. And here we saw her playing defense, working on a pick and roll, working on a lefty floater, which you know Kobe was like, you just, it's not good enough to have a floater. you got to have a lefty floater along the left baseline. And just... Obviously, everyone's going to remember Michael, and we could talk about that if you want. But when Diana said, I thought Diana Taurasi was very moving. Mm-hmm. And when she said the hardest thing for her was that Gigi was the perfect age as a basketball player because it's still about just playing with your friends and getting better. It's not about mm-hmm. money. It's not about teammates and trades and professional leagues and this and that. It's just it's the purest, happiest time. That, that hit me, like, right in the gut. Well, I mean, all of us are parents. And like the, you can't help but personalize this on, on some level, you know, just because it's it's so tragic. But you know, thinking about you know Gigi being a part of this and and the other two children, I mean, just it's 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 almost impossible just to wrap your your mind around the idea of like your child not having everything that you would ever want for him or her and and a whole life ahead of them. It just it. This would have been incredibly sad and tragic under any circumstances, but you know that particular part of it just really hits hard. But that's what I, mean. I was just happy to see a, a more rounded portrait mm-hmm. of her today. And I and I, th- I thought too, like the 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 way that it was discussed, and so much of the day was about her. Um, did, you, did, and, you, did you hear how she she can write and understand Mandarin? I could have. Yes. I, I Are you kidding ashamed, me? I felt ashamed of myself. Yeah. I was like, what have I accomplished in my life? That's Nothing. Unbelievable. It's just all of this stuff. And, like, I, I thought uh, Sabrina Ionescu talking about how she sort of, like, got from Kobe, like, this permission and, like, feeling it was okay to be, like, hyper-competitive like that and to be ambitious like that. And Diana Taurasi talking about um, growing up wanting to be a Laker and this transition now to where you can grow up and want to be the best player in the WNBA. Like, there's an outlet for you if you're that girl. Um, and, and, and driving that home and, and how 
Kobe was so supportive of that and Gianna was so into that idea. That was just really cool. Like you sit there as a parent going, that's so cool. And I was, I was, that was my favorite part of it. That was the, the, the stuff with Gigi. I mean, look, there are no words for what Vanessa Bryant did today. I just don't even, I don't even know how it was possible. And then, and then obviously anytime Michael Jordan gets up and speaks for an extended period of time, it's an event with a capital E. Mm -hmm. Especially just, you see Michael Jordan. I mean, this is a side of him you don't see. I mean, this is not something that Michael Jordan brings out particularly well, often, the last if at speech all. that Michael Jordan gave that anybody I think was remembers or paid attention to was his Hall of Fame speech was which was I think a 180. Yeah, it was like, you know, I mean it was basically going scorched earth on like on his loved ones. And you so, know, you know, to see this side of it and talking about like sort of the humanity of it and and the stories and like there was that clip we were just talking about like that clip in the All-Star game I think one of forget which one it was where Kobe's clearly just like trying to pull information out of MJ mm-hmm. and Jordan's like dude it's like the third quarter of an all-star yeah. game. We're like, well, it's, I just it's an exhibition. This, I just said this on my podcast, but you know you're super, super, super famous when Kobe Bryant texting you is like an annoyance. Like, yeah. oh, Kobe yeah. Bryant yeah. again? Oh, like, geez, oh, this yeah. guy, I wish this guy would stop bugging <laughs> yeah, me. That was funny. <laughs> well, like, that's the cold. That's when Kobe says he's cold calling people to find out advice. You know, like cold calling Oprah, cold calling whatever. Not no, really. Wait. People are happy to hear from you when you're Kobe Bryant. No, yeah. wait, wait, if I reach out to Oprah, that's a cold call. She like you know, because there's a chance I'm not going to get that. She want to know how you got her number. Yeah, exactly, a hundred percent. Like, but but again, that Kobe would actually do it is what separates him, I think, from most people. That that he would recognize what he could learn from somebody else, as opposed to being, I think, like a lot of really accomplished people who assume that they've basically figured it all out on the basis of their own accomplishments. What do you, what do you think happens, Zach? Sort of the arc of of this going forward. Like, if you understand, like, it's like for because it'd been a you know, time goes like so. It'd been like a week, and then a you know two weeks, and then a month goes by, and then today kind of brought I think a lot of people right back to yeah. the end of January, and then time's going to sort of start again. Like, how do you think this plays? You know, for, both for the NBA, for the for the Lakers, like where where do you keep going from 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 this? Yeah, this is one of those things where it's, it never goes away. Like it's an event that was. There's a before and an after, and everything feels different. And like you said, time passes. The human spirit's ability to sort of evolve and move on is incredible, but um, it's always going to be there. It's always going to feel different. We're always going to be talking about it, just like you know, like Drazen Petrovic dying in a car accident mm-hmm. is still something that you oh, know yeah. that's a flashbulb moment, and it's still talked about. It changed the course of an organization, let alone a human and a family. Um, and I, and I think the Lakers being good and being championship contenders is going to mean that it hovers over everything as long as that is the case. Yeah, there's that sort of thing, and I th- I think it's I get it, but I think it's unfair the sort of like win it for Kobe thing that's sort of developing out of it. You know, we heard it, we heard it um, last night or Sunday at the game. You know, Kobe chance breaking out like when the team kind of needed a lift or to see the fans perceive the team needing a lift like. That's got to be a strange thing as a player, man, to be, you know. Oh, you got to love down, that. You're down by five, though, and you're, you're getting, and all of a sudden you hear a Kobe chant yeah, break out. That's cool. We'll be hearing that a lot in the playoffs. That's tough. That's a lot of pressure, though. I, t- I just talked to Jared Dudley about it on my podcast, and uh, it's not like he's a, you know, a central rotation player for them, but he, he has a good vibe for the team. And he said, you know, you could argue it's more pressure. You could argue it's more pressure. But I also feel like we want to win anywhere. We're competitive. We didn't need another thing to play for. Mm-hmm. And number two, it's like we're kind of getting used to it. Whereas every team that comes in here for the first time, it's new for them and the emotion is new for them. And like it might actually be harder for those teams than it is That's for an us. Interesting way of well, at I it. mean, it's going to take a long time just for it not to feel weird that, that Kobe isn't with us anymore. 
I mean, like that's something that's still to me beyond the sadness of it and all that. It's weird. Like somebody who was that big of a presence in a sport and in a city, like the well, idea, the organization, right? The organization. I mean, it, it was always going to be a challenge for the Lakers moving forward from the Kobe Bryant era, and it was going to be this massive thing of you know that type of iconic, larger than life, really cult of personality. How they were going to manage to do that wasn't going to be easy under any circumstances, much less these. And look, for a while, they they were not able to transition as a team to any sort of post-Kobe identity. And what saved them was acquiring LeBron James, and that became their identity. So, But but on a larger sort of metaphysical level, yeah, I mean, he was was a 20-year Laker. He was Los Angeles basketball, you know. He defines... You know, when we sit here and it's not Lakers season, we talk about how the Dodgers are playing and what they're supposed like. Kobe's mentality and approach and style and everything it permeates the way we talk about every athlete in the city. Like you're sort of supposed to do it the Kobe way, Um, and like that, Mm -hmm. the mythology of that doesn't, you know, certainly doesn't get lessened by the events of the last month. So, um, it's it's a it's a tragic fascinating horrifying it's all of these things at at once um and one of you said it just a moment ago like today brought you right back to it and you could feel everyone sort of moving on and recovering not moving on forgetting but just like picking up and well i kyle kuzman was asked about this yesterday after the game and he said like i he meant it in a way like i'm it's not that i don't care but it's like i've kind of put it on the back burner like i got i gotta play tuesday the nba schedule leaves you no choice there's games like there's stuff you gotta do so that we got to go through that in life, and we lose a loved one. We got to, you know, you got to move on. You don't forget them. You don't stop grieving. But so you got to get back to work and got to get back to living. Uh, so you and Duds, as the as the as the, yeah, the man, boys yeah. call them, uh, when's when's that come out? Any within the hour, probably. Man, if fast. they if they get it up, he's probably still is, talking. How good he, is Jared Dudley? Huh? What, what, what platform is he going to be on? Because he's got such a gift of gab. He claims he wants to be a GM or a, a coach, GM? and I'm like, you should aim easier than that. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah, that's those, a lot those of work. Are like you got to go to like Lithuania and scout players. Like, like this is go. this stuff is like pretty good money when you're Jared Dudley, and it's like a twelfth of the work. Does he want to do studio work or game, play-by-play stuff? Or I mean, he's a color stuff. What, what, what do you like? What, I don't because he's so good. He's he's talking GM head coach. GM head I'm coach, like, all right, man. Head but, coach at uh, NBA level or college level? I don't. And he's he's smart enough to know he's going to have to apprentice for a long time before you don't. Not just really. Walk in, yeah, yeah. I mean, Pat Riley went right from the booth right, to head coaching. There are, there are examples. Uh, Larry Durka went from the booth to managing the Astros. Oops, can't say Astros anymore. Uh, let's see who else was <laughs> these days. Uh, let's see who else came out of the booth right into He could do it. He's a smart guy. He knows the game. Okay. All so right. tell him I said, tell okay. him you don't apprentice nobody. Uh, thanks so much for coming in, Zach. Appreciate My pleasure, guys. Always always fun. All right. Uh, Mason Ireland coming up at the top of the hour. We'll take a couple more of your calls, 877-710-ESPN. A few more uh, big impressions that came out of today's uh, ceremony honoring Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant on 710 ESPN. It was hard because there isn't much. The best thing I think I was able to come up with is this, gratitude. It seems to me that all we can do is be grateful for the time we had with them and for the time we have left with each other, and that's all. That was Jimmy Kimmel uh, at the opening of the of the ceremony today at Staples Center honoring Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant. Um, very moving, I thought, guys. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, Michael Thompson. From the moment Kimmel got up and started speaking, he yeah. basically kind of cracked. Yeah. Um, he was talking there about like 
trying to find a positive that you could take from from this tragedy and there wasn't much there except for that idea of gratitude and being grateful for the moments that you have um, with your loved ones, um, with the people that you care about, and really being present for them. And it sucks that you need reminders like this, but Mm -hmm. it is true. Like They they do put things in perspective, and they do come, and they matter. Um, And I think that is the lesson that we can take from this is, you know, don't wait to call somebody. Don't wait to say something. Do it. That's or what just, or just, about. Or, I mean, just try to be more present. Like, I, I know that in my own life, you know, even before this happened with Kobe, like, I'd started making a point of, with my daughter, you know, not filming everything mm-hmm. that she does. And sometimes, you know, just be there, experience it, don't worry about documenting it. Like, everything doesn't have to be captured on your iPhone. And, like, just making sure that you're experiencing stuff. Or, like, putting it in the other room. Yeah, and like that, but that's I mean, like, and it's weird. It's hard. It like, is. You put it the is. thing down, and like you, we're all at a point now where our phones feel like like yeah. a third hand. Yeah, I mean, so it's you it's put like it the, down. You don't you don't right. You it's feel like, it's like the it. reservoir of your entire life. Yeah. But like you know, there was a moment in I, I want to say the first montage of Kobe, you know, highlights and voiceover where he talked about wanting to be a player remembered for never wasting a minute. You know, like never wasting a minute of his career. I would, I would probably say, he never wasting a moment of your life. Yeah, and, and part of that, Michael, is just being present. Yep, appreciating what you have, not taking anything for granted, man. Your good health, the ability to go to work, do what you have a passion for. Yeah, we all get tired. We all need a day off. We all need to be Steve Mason every now and then, you know, just <laughs> and, Bali. and just get a refresh, get recharge sure. our batteries. But you know, you be anxious to wake up the next morning and see what's out there, see what the challenge of the day is. That's how I try to wake up every day. Michael, any particular, you know, uh, I thought Shaq was great. Oh, today. Shaq was always you know, good. Just, He's always you know, good. I don't, this, it wasn't a day that was necessarily built for stand-up comedy, no. obviously. But, like, you know, everybody, everybody had, like, a little joke. And yeah. I thought Diana Taurasi's yeah, little, uh, you know, dig at LeBron about his turnaround jump shot yeah. was really good yeah. And, yeah. and all that. But, I mean, I mean Shaq, but, Shaq really brought that levity to this yeah. well i think it was important great. for everybody in in this moment to be themselves because they're they're really relaying their relationship with kobe mm-hmm. and what whatever it was it was their truest self yeah. and you know Shaq is going to be himself talking about kobe because so much of what we associate with that personality was born alongside kobe yeah yeah they, they should have won six they'd listen to me that's that's true, but um, he he had, he had a lot of a lot of stuff in there, including this. These were his final thoughts. Mamba, you were taken away from us way too soon. Your next chapter of life was just beginning, but now it's time for us to continue your legacy. You said yourself that everything negative, pressure, challenges is all an opportunity for me to rise. So we now take that sage advice to now rise from anguish and begin with the healing. Just know that we got your back, little brother. I'll look after things down here. I'll be sure to teach Natalia, Bianca, and Baby Capri all your moves. And I promise I will not teach them my free throw techniques. <laughs> just like stuff like that. It was just good little one-liners. And, you know, it was even in, even in Vanessa's speech, which was just remarkable in its emotion and the, just the sheer difficulty of yeah. it. Yeah. You're reminded, like, you see those things, like, when you start to tell stories of people. That's why it's such a, it was such a great day um, and an important day. Because when you start yeah. to tell stories about people that are so important and so vibrant, like Kobe, Kobe uh, and Gianna both were, 
Even Vanessa going through this thing that I, I mean I can't even begin oh, to yeah, imagine. Is, yes, beyond human understanding to understand what she's going through. When she starts to tell the stories, though, you could see the smiles and the memories and and these things and and the the projection of the joy that these people brought. Now, the, when you're done telling the story, the story makes you sad again, but eventually yeah. it becomes this thing that that sustains you. And like that's what made these people so important is they had the ability to create joy for so many people it cannot be said enough how amazing vanessa bryant was during that memorial i mean i i did not expect her to speak much less for as long as she did much less with that composure the beauty of those words i I mean really it was remarkable and this was uh vanessa speaking a little bit from her from her time talking about how gianna and kobe were so similar to each other Gigi was very competitive like her daddy, but Gianna had a sweet grace about her. Her smile was like sunshine. Her smile took up her entire face, like mine. Kobe always said she was me. She had my fire, my personality, and sarcasm. She was tender and loving on the inside. She had the best laugh. It was infectious. It was pure and genuine. Kobe and Gianna naturally gravitated towards each other. She had Kobe's ability to listen to a song and have all the lyrics memorized after listening to the song a couple of times. It was their secret talent. She was an incredible athlete. She was great at gymnastics, soccer, softball, dance, and basketball. And I was, you know, these tributes i thought to to gianna who we didn't know as well uh zach Lowe would just would talk about like all the clips like you said like this little girl could ball oh yeah like in you know right, left hand right hand yeah. move it and so all this stuff like seeing that seeing the the interactions with her teammates mm-hmm. and then these these stories about kobe you know secretly learning to play tennis on the sly so he could beat rob palenka in their weekly games i mean yeah. all these little things these little details that's what people will carry from a day like today these the stories about why these people were so important to us in los angeles as a you know 20 some odd member of the of the los angeles family that's what kobe bryant was yeah man he's gonna be missed you know he'll be remembered forever cherished and treasured forever the pain will get less and less as time goes on but i mean he's gonna be foremost at least in my mind forever and i think andy you know there's what Kobe leaves behind is something very tangible for people to 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 learn from, to hold on to about work ethic, about uh, like you said before, maximizing whatever it is that you're trying to do, putting in the best amount of effort so that you can get the most out of it, finding what you love. These are things that people can take with them. Yeah, I mean the the inspiration that Kobe drew uh, from people, they, uh, it's not by accident. I mean, it's easy to see why people gravitated towards him what what i always found though so fascinating and amazing about kobe it was just the fervency of the fandom that he had like i've I've never experienced anything like that before like the sheer devotion that kobe's fans had towards him and and the the defenses that they often felt like that they had like almost like a a protecting of Kobe. Well, and some of it's because he was a controversial figure. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, no, you, I, you, I, you know, I get through a lot. Of it. But I also think, like, how much of it do you think, Andy, then is is related to that idea of he inspired people and, like, kind of got to fans and, and 
reached them in ways in uh, that that were different than other. I players. think some of it is that. I think some of it is just for a while when Kobe was at his most controversial, being his fan was really a personal investment. By, by the fans of the Lakers, by people in Los Angeles, his fans. And it was really just a, you know, like a ride or die type thing. And it was a long one. And it was a, it was it was a, a it was long a one. And, and it was investment. something, again, seeing Kobe grow up and t- go through all these different, you know, stages of his life. I think as you, the fan, are doing the same thing in your own life, it's a, it's a pretty unique situation. And, and it, it's, not surprising that it's become that personalized. It's just amazing. I've yeah, never seen anything like it And before. it's the reason you had all these people in the Staples Center today, yeah. people who knew Kobe well, who played against him, people who never met him at all. He was you know, larger did, than life, man. You know, there's 20,000 people like that. Yeah, filling this building uh, on a really a genuinely remarkable day. We are glad we were able to share it with you here at 710 ESPN. Uh, up next are uh, Steve Mason and John Ireland. We'll be staying local with you. All afternoon, Mason Ireland next. Alan Slee will following that here on 710 ESPN.